Nation. Providing you with the practical tools and expert knowledge to optimize your strength, health and mindset, inside and out. With your hosts, Steve Katarzy and Bryn Jenkins. Hey guys, for those of you that aren't aware, I'm on an anti-inflammatory diet for three weeks only with my family. This is an experimental diet where we as a family are trying to remove all the systemic inflammation in our bodies with the view to try and eliminate or regress autoimmune conditions and symptoms that we're suffering with. The diet is a no sugar, no gluten, no dairy diet in everything. And it is incredibly difficult it's actually psychically more difficult than it is physically. Signing up to this was hard. Starting it was incredibly hard, but I tell you what, there has been some mind-blowing moments for all of us. And it's been incredibly rewarding as we work as a team, explore new foods, get a much better understanding of where these ingredients hide within the food that we eat today. And we've learned to make some incredible alternatives that probably taste better. And let's face it, Doing this with kids is really hard. So I talk about with Bryn how we've gamified this experience and made it an exciting process for kids to really engage with. And the reason I'm doing this, more than just trying to make us feel better in the moment and have a better body that's optimal, I want them to have a diverse palate. I want them to really appreciate good food. I want them to know what great food tastes like and I want to help them make smarter choices when they have their own pocket money, they're outside of the house, they're with their friends, and they're making their own decisions for themselves. I wanna educate them so that they, more often than not, make better decisions as opposed to worse ones. I think it's a good episode. Get involved in this, and as we draw this episode to a close, it will then move swiftly into episode 36, where we talk about supplementation for optimal wellness and body composition. How's your diet going? The diet, yeah. So we are on a anti-inflammatory diet. Yeah. And I don't think it's I don't don't know if you Googled it, you would find much about about it. Um we read a book called Autoimmune Fix. It's by mm-hmm. a guy called Tom O'Brien. And it's one of probably four or five books on a similar vein of um addressing symptoms that are holding you back that maybe are causing you to be fat or have diabetes mm-hmm. or have autoimmune conditions um and they all kind of center around some really common um nasty ingredients that just seem to be universally challenging for your body some people yeah. more so than others uh, so this anti-inflammatory diet is a uh reduction no an elimination for a few weeks of all gluten all dairy and all sugar Mm. and it's it's a tough diet to follow it's incredibly tough man yeah it is and so we we're doing this not because there's like a major problem Mm -hmm. or you know none of us are fat in our household with including the kids as well so there's no like obesity there's no Mm -hmm. diabetes there's no we're having such a shit diet that shock our system because our diet's actually really good yeah the reason we're doing this is michelle's got um she's got hypothyroidism mm-hmm. which is um her thyroid is not is is under underactive and 
it's usually an auto or it is an autoimmune condition mm -hmm. where your antibodies are effectively attacking your thyroid and they're killing it off slowly and that elevated antibodies what it doesn't means is less output production from the thyroid less hormones and then mm -hmm. the hormones are what drive your metabolism up so if you have hypothyroidism you have a low metabolism you're more prone to putting on weight and you have a host of other issues and then i have um a slow but pro progressing vitiligo autoimmune condition which mm -hmm. is like a, a whitening of skin and patches on my face only and neither of us want to have those long term mm, yeah, right yeah. and the kids have also got a couple of little things that you know I wouldn't classify absolutely as a problem but they are enough for us to go are we causing it ourselves mm. do you know what i mean so we're like okay we, we've got enough resolve to just spend a few weeks and it is only three weeks yeah but you had to you had to prepare thinking ahead of this time okay so gluten what's in our diet that's got gluten in it well the kids have white bread okay we're gonna have to drop that out what's a replacement okay we go gluten-free bread mm -hmm. but has that got sugar yeah okay so we can't have that okay so that's out so is there any bread that we can have actually there is there's a local bakery that does 40-hour sourdough nice they use salt yeast um water i think that's it there's like three or four ingredients there's no not sugar much preserved nothing else there's nothing else in there yeah, it states right. the ingredients so we can have that because the fermentation yep. kills off the gluten or breaks it down okay what else has gluten well the the chicken steaks that we have you know mm -hmm. the fillets even the ones that don't aren't breaded have gluten in it for fuck's sake so i can't have those the breaded chicken that the kids have all of the you know yeah. the, the nuggets and stuff all gluten we can't have any of those okay what about sugar oh that's easy we just won't have the dessert as much as it's going to yeah. kill the kids to not have their milky ways or their you know the um, buenos or whatever yeah. it is you know all the frubes and stuff it's fine well it turns out sugar is in everything, everything man yeah everything like sugar's in your tomato ketchup it's in all your soups it's in all your condiments mm -hmm. Um, sugar is in the majority of breads and especially gluten-free breads. Um, sugar is in things like, like mayo, yeah, like chili it's, sauce, you know, it, it's, it's an ingredient in almost everything that you can buy off the shelf. Yeah. And then there's dairy and dairy. What, what is that? It's like for the kids, it's no baby bell. It's no cheese on their omelets. Um, we have halloumi, no halloumi, milk, no mozzarella, no milk, um, and then there's the the condiments that are, you know, dairy based. Yeah, and it, it starts getting a bit tricky, and it is tricky. It's really really tough. But I tell you what, man, we're a week and a half in, so we've got a week and a half left. Yeah, we've gamified it for the kids, so they get they get stickers every day, and they're doing a little book, so they're they're really engaged in mm -hmm. the game, and every week we're giving them a proper present, right, something a bit bigger, and the first few days were really tough, like even though we eat so clean, basically this has to be whole food, almost exclusively whole food with the edge case products that you can buy from speciality shops or in the, the free from section of Tesco's. You yeah. might be able to find a few things that kind of match the profile, but for the most part, it's cooking from scratch. It's the only way you yeah. can guarantee. But here's the cool thing. This has helped us be much more mindful of just how much sugar is in everything that we eat because that's yeah. the biggest one. We've started to make our own desserts. Like Michelle made homemade crimbles. Do you know what crimbles are? No, it's crimble. You know, like the coconut, desiccated coconutty 
uh, cookies. Sounds nice. They're really, really good, yeah. but um, they're full of sugar normally and palm oil and stuff like that. So Michelle what, just made oats, desiccated coconut, um, honey, yeah, maple syrup because the normal, sorry, the natural sugars are fine. It's the refined, refined sugars sugar, yeah. and artificial sweeteners we're kicking out. Yeah. So maple syrup and hun honey, and it was a couple of other ingredients, loads of butter. Concoct them together. It tastes delicious. We knew exactly what was in there, and. This is where I think we're kind of coming to now. We're realizing that food in supermarkets has to serve a number of needs that aren't just nutrition. Mm. They have to hit their margins. What does that mean? They have, they have to make products that they can control their margins. So they're going to use cheaper products. So they're not going to use maple syrup and honey when they can use really cheap cane sugar. They're getting, you know, they're getting it in, in trucks yeah. for next to nothing. Um, they have to have these products be um stored for many many months and they need to be shelf stable and they need to preserve their taste and texture for for months maybe years so all of that means that you have to be really selective with the ingredients they put together when you cook stuff at home especially if it's a baked thing or whatever it is hey it lasts a day it lasts two days it doesn't matter you're mm. going to eat it when you make it and that has been like a big mind-blowing moment for us is like we've started to find ways of making things that we would normally buy, like making our own hummus or making our own beetroot hummus, um, you know, making our own desserts, you know, instead of having chocolates all the time, the kids are having you know, gluten-free pancakes with honey and lemon yeah. and they're loving it. They're having fruit with dark chocolate melted over the top of them. Love it. Mm. It's like we're now introducing this kind of palate to the kids they would have never found by themselves. Well, you get used to having sugary stuff like if you have ketchup, for instance, or mayonnaise, you kind of get used to that that flavor, that intense flavor that you normally get from that. But when you take that out and then suddenly you eat something, you know, like fruit or, or dark chocolate, that's not quite as intense. Suddenly that becomes more intense because you're no longer accustomed to foods so, at high in sugar. Yes, absolutely, man. Yeah, so when you've got your, your body kind of like... Um, sets a benchmark for the yeah. level of sugar it's got in its diet, right? Mm -hmm. So as you've rightly said, if you, you're just caning lots of uh, sugar-laden products that might be savory, but they've got sugar in there to make yeah. it taste right, and then you're having all the sugary treats and all that kind of stuff, and then you go and have a strawberry, it just tastes like water. Yeah. But then when you, when you pull it back, and it typically takes one or two weeks for you to stop the craving and the kind of like intense need for that stuff, yeah. you pull it back for a couple of weeks, you go and have that same piece of fruit. All of a sudden, it's like it's popping in your mouth. The thing is, you exploding. will like you will adapt because I remember when I went from dairy milk to dark chocolate, that tasted like crap. It tasted yeah, like yeah. cardboard, really but bitter, I, yeah, and, really bitter, yeah. and it was horrible. But now I have it, and I can taste the flavor in it, and I can taste if I'm having say seventy four percent dark chocolate. I can taste the difference between that and 85% dark chocolate. Yes. I can taste the difference, whereas before I couldn't. They were both dark chocolate, whereas now it's totally like... Totally agree. Yeah, and it's like, so your palate has now become more sensitized towards um, foods that are not as high in sugar. I think that's that's obviously some a big takeaway that you're getting from this diet. Um, I agree. And look, which is great. I, was, I was eating really well beforehand, right? So this isn't, you know, for most people, this kind of diet is going to be like light and day, yeah. right? And it probably will be met with some additional angst and frustration and cravings. You know, we were still craving stuff. That first few days, Michelle just didn't want to do it because 
for a mother preparing mm-hmm. food for kids that want to have the things they're conditioned to eat. Yeah. You know, the the four or five different meals they have every every week, you know, they're all got, you know, gluten and dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, Holly has her baby well every single day. Every single day she would have a baby well, rain right. or shine. Yeah. Um, they're their sweet stuff like they'd have so gran- how- they'd have granola bars in the morning which has got got sugar and yeah. they would have sugary treats at lunchtime yeah, the good ones but still sugary stuff and then in the din- after dinner they'd go into the sweet drawer and they'd pick out some rubbish not that we're trying to purposely feed them crap but you think oh they're just kids yeah you know they're just kids just give them what they want but so to strip all that away and for a mother who's got to not only care for herself and me but doesn't want the kids to rebel and get really upset for three weeks like how do we make this exciting encouraging fun um experimental in a way which the kids want to do how how have they been they've been great man yeah honestly and i I honestly take my baby bell away it would uh... (laughs) (laughs) i honestly think it's you know in terms of how i feel for a week and a half in i'm feeling really what's the word steady Mm-hmm. really really steady in terms of of energy uh, yeah. sugar levels yeah i mean obviously you know whilst you don't feel sugar levels yeah. you feel the impact of, of it. Yeah. undulating sugar levels but my my blood sugar levels clearly are you know mostly stable obviously yeah. i have a lot of carbs still i'm still having mm-hmm. like sweet potato and all that kind of stuff which does spike them yeah. but nowhere near as much so i'm feeling steadier mm-hmm. more calm um slightly clearer minded yeah um slightly more enthusiastic mm-hmm. um and having slightly more resolve and then i look at the kids the kids are uh, i think they're blossoming i think they look they look great mm-hmm. they holly's had less bloat and gas than she's ever had before um they're not rebelling actually really they've actually grown to enjoy the process because they're getting their stickers every night yeah they're getting their treat once a week uh, they know they're a week and a half in and realized actually we've had like we've had so much diversity they've had so many more different foods and grown to go oh i thought i was going to hate that that was actually quite good yeah especially now we've ripped away the sugar yeah now we're giving them like um natural sugary type stuff and they're like that's really nice yeah so now they've like they found all this new stuff and they assumed they'd hate it and it's actually quite enjoyable and that for me the feeling, the learning, the experimentation, the achievement of, and generally knowing we are lowering the inflammation in our body. Because yeah. you know, getting back to the core of it, the idea is when you rid yourself of gluten, dairy, and sugar, all of which have an inflammatory response into the body. Um, removing inflammation means that your body is not fighting against, you know, quote unquote damage. Mm. Cells get to recover. Inflammation in your gut drops down. Inflammation across your organs drop down. Your energy gets and and any inflammation in your brain starts to subside. So then what that means is you've now got more of the energy that you have and eat goes towards being optimal yeah. versus fighting against an internal war yeah. where you're trying to recover from, you know, invasion. Yeah. Because gluten is an invasion into your bloodstream. It it leaks through your gut. It causes some kind of fight in your body. Um, for the most part, that can have different levels of severity in different people, depending on how long they've been having it, how much they have, and mm-hmm. whether they're ultra sensitive or not. But universally, everyone has some response to yeah. gluten. They may not know about it. It might take 20 years for them to realize it, but they do. Yeah. So, yeah, knowing that we're doing ourselves something good, 
And there's something stoic about it as well, right? It's hard. It requires us all to work as a team, requires us all to be a bit more creative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ex- is as expensive. It's so expensive. It is ridiculous. Is it? Yeah, think about it, man. Everything that is accessible is cheap for a reason because it's mass produced. Everything that we're eating is either fresh, mm-hmm. fresh fruit, fresh vegetables, fresh meat. And if we're going for something packaged, we're having to buy the more expensive stuff that doesn't contain the cheap shit, yeah. which is loaded with sugar yeah, and gluten. Yeah. So it's cripping, cripping, crippling <laughs> us in terms of expense. But it's only three weeks. Yeah. What we do afterwards, I'm still not 100% sure. We're going to start reintroducing things we want. But hopefully some things drop off the list because we've now found alternatives that are better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, would you say the diet you're on now doing this? Because it's, it's a temporary diet, right? Yeah, it's only temporary. So it's not obviously from looking from the outside, it's not sustainable long term. But what I, I would guess say it's not do... sustainable. Like you can't avoid sugar in all its all yeah. its guises it's just too hard so, and nor, nor do i think you need to yeah it's just when you have far too much sugar exactly. that's when it causes inflammation if you can manage that level down to something that's small and in moderation yeah and you don't have that addictive craving to it i think it's fine but it's, for the most part we're trying to rid all of the inflammation yeah. away and then slowly reintroduce it into areas that we really yeah. want it back in because it's not it's not a pointless task because at the end of three weeks you're just going to go back to your normal diet because there's always going to be something that you take some away carryover yes yeah, some yeah. carryover and there'll be a few things that you eliminate and you've learned something from that and then you'll probably try something else down the line so again something that might not be sustainable long term but you'll have a few takeaway um things that you've learned from that so i think it's great there's definitely some products that we bought like we found a we found a sugar-free tomato ketchup. Right, okay. It's made how, how does that using taste? honey. Okay. So instead of sugar, and re- no, cane sugar, refined sugar, whatever it is, it's using honey. Kids love it. And it's still they, quite and sweet. They then, actually so. love it. And, um, you know, we had pancakes, no gluten, no sugar. Tasted yeah. amazing. You know, we had these crimbles that, you know, Michelle had to make them. They only cost, took like half an hour. But they were great. The kids loved making them. Love the process of being in the kitchen. Yeah. And then as a result, they probably enjoyed them more because they made them. Yeah. Um, and Michelle's found a few cool ingredients, left, right, and center of um yeah, things that are just better for you. Like she's now found a local raw honey supplier. Yeah. So buying raw honey, a little bit more expensive, but it's raw. Yeah. It's from the source. It tastes great. And it's local. So it's and gonna it's help local. With so it's, things it's like... sustainable purchases, you know? Yeah, exactly. So and yeah, if you get that, hay fever is... as well, that helps. Exactly. It's local, locally sourced. So, so I, we've really enjoyed that kind of like opening <laughs> our eyes up, stop being so going with the flow of like what's normal. Like for kids, you know, Michelle was saying for weeks before this, I just want our kids to be kids. You know, being kids is like, you know, having penny sweets and eating shit. It's just, you know, that's that's fun. Like this doesn't sound like fun. And I get it. I understand it because as as a child, mm-hmm. I had a load of shit for the most part. And that was supposed to be nice and a treat and caring for me was yeah. to let me have crap. Ha- let me have what I want and what I've, has been marketed to me and what's the normal, what all my other mates are having. And it takes a bit of courage and um, awareness to say, actually, whilst that is the definition of what being a kid is, I'm not loving my kid as much as I could because if I was loving my kid as much as I could I'd be allowing them to have the same experience but with stuff that's not gonna have a consequence to their taste to their palate 
to their health, to their wellness. Yeah. You know, I owe, owe it to myself to make smarter decisions if I'm enlightened and educated. And we are educated, so we want to make better decisions. Yeah. But it doesn't mean our kids are no longer kids. We're trying to educate them through the process, though. We're trying to say, you can't have this for this week because mm-hmm. it's got this, but here's an alternative. And these are the reasons why we're doing it. And they're five and eight. The eight-year-old is definitely getting it. The five-year-old is just going with the flow. Yeah. They're going to come out of this, right? And this is the last thing I'll say on this. They're going to come out of this. And the hope is, with our continual improvement of our diet at home, my goal is, by the time Holly is old enough to start making her own decisions, which isn't too long, by 11 or 12, you know, she's going to have her own pocket money. She's going to be, you know, roaming around with her mates when we let her. (laughs) And, you know, going places, doing things. And she's going to be able to have independent decision. I'm going to buy that snack. I'm going to buy this. We're going out for lunch. She's going to choose her own things. It's not mummy and daddy buying and dictating. Yeah. As soon as she has that independence, it's on her own um, decision-making quality. And the goal for us is I want to create a pa- I want her to give her a palette and appreciation for what's optimal and good for her. And I want her to enjoy mm. eating healthily. So then when she gets her own independent decision, she can still make a less good decision, no problem. But it's now she knows decision. what less good is. Yeah. She knows this is probably the best for me. But all my other mates are eating this stuff and I don't want to feel I don't want to be ostracized. I'll have it. Mm-hmm. But I have it knowing that, hey, this is I don't like it as much as this other stuff. It tastes too sweet or it tastes too fake or it's you know, it's a bit too cheap and nasty. But hey, I'm going with the flow. As opposed to saying, now I'm out of the out of the grip of my parents, I'm gonna eat yeah. shit. And I'm going to rebel and I'm going to have my McDonald's every day and I'm going to have my penny sweets. And I'm going to have this crap. Because that would usually crap. come from not knowing, not knowing why they were, uh, why they had a restricted exactly, diet exactly. in the past because they'll, they'll rebel against that. Whereas she's now informed. So it's not that she's making a misinformed decision. It's just that she's making a bad decision on food and recognizing that. So she goes, I know I'm having the McDonald's. I know it's not the, the best thing to have. But then that will probably mean that the next day she'll probably eat better because of it. So that that's the goal, Bryn. I'm yeah. I'm not I'm not trying I'm not trying to be um naive in suggesting that, you know, we're gonna create, you know, food saints and they're not gonna do anything wrong or make any mistakes with food. Of course they are. And hey, food is some is is an experience and something that you need to kind of like navigate for yourself. Yeah. And I'm not saying some foods are universally bad and some foods are universally good but there is a spectrum of things that are loaded with some negative stuff and things mm. that are optimally good for you yeah and the more we can do to encourage their palate to adapt to things that are really good for them think about it when you was a kid you know idea of vegetables for me were frozen vegetables it was peas um yeah. it was peas carrots and sweet corn in a little blend a little uh, frozen yeah, thing. Yeah. And my mum would just put some of that in boiling water. Boiling water and boil it up. Chuck chuck that with a Kiev and some fries. And there's my vegetable intake yeah. for the day. And she didn't know any different. The standards were lower then. And I was like, yeah, that's that's vegetables. It's shit. And therefore, where my go-to was, is I'd love the McDonald's. I'd go, I'll go fish and chip shop every day if you'd let me. I'd go to the kebab shop every day and I'd be getting my salad. It'd be fine. <laughs> There's a fat boy inside of you there, isn't there? <laughs> uh, my, my tastes were so skewed because my yeah. mum, uh, her way to show me love was to have me, you know, give me that indulgent treat or treats. Yeah. Like she'd go to the sweet shop and buy me like three chocolates and I can have them whenever I want during the day. Yeah. And it was like, you're being good 
or I love you have some his reward for it have, has a re, have a reward yeah. so I said only good things with eating chocolate sweets and takeaways were like oh we're having a treat we don't have to eat the the oven crap today we can go and have you know yeah, fish yeah. and chips whatever it is and that was better than home food mm-hmm. so do you understand how that created a circumstance where outside of the house was always better yeah the chocolates the sweets the takeaways the dine-ins the eat-outs and you know why to think that these foods these bad bad foods are now reward exactly and then you're reward driven so oh i do something good like i go to the gym i can now reward myself with a donut and it's that reward system that is quite often um it's not just it's not just the taste and it's not just the rebel or whatever it is yeah but now flip that and imagine a circumstance where the food at home mm-hmm. is better more often than not than the food outside of your house as a kid yeah. when you don't have the decisions, but it's been done to you, right? But the food at home is better. Yeah. Tastes better. You know it's better for you. It's created a diversity of your palate. It's more mature palate at 10 or 11. Now, all of a sudden, eating out is like, it's a bit of a pain in the ass. It's like, mm. that's not the way mum made it. That's not as good at home. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I have to tolerate this food. Yeah. I'd much rather that because then there's less opportunity to indulge and go off on a tangent and eat a bunch of crap that she doesn't need to eat. Well, exactly. So that's the goal, man. This, this, this is just one step towards all the things we're doing to say, I just want to give our kids the best possible chance that when they click into being a teenager and then an adult, they're, they've got a better grounding and appreciation for good quality food, have a great palate, enjoy food, love food, but see the difference between good quality and poor quality, good decisions and bad decisions. Yeah, that's great. So obviously, this is a good segue now through to the, the next um, part of our discussion. Um, you just covered obviously about nutrition. Uh, how about supplementation? What, what supplements do you take um, currently? And what have you taken in the past? Hey guys, it's Steve here. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion so far. We're actually going to cut this off at this point in episode 35. We're going to move to episode 36 where we can carry on that question, the question of what do I supplement both myself and my family for optimal health and wellness and in support of my goals around muscle building and building my best body ever. So jump into episode 36 to hear how this conversation continues. If you enjoy this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. This is Adapt Nation.